Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Our Heavenly Father, here we are again this morning to engage your word in our union with Christ. Lord, we pray as your people that you will make the scriptures clear for us. Give us hearts that believe your truth. Give us lives that engage your truth. Let your promises mean something to us. And let us leave this retreat stronger, empowered, quickened, bolder than we came. In Jesus' name, Amen. We are looking at our union with Christ. And yesterday I took you through the 12 pictures, images, which show that we are joined to Jesus in no uncertain ways. The vine and the branches. The head and the body. The bridegroom and the bride. The shepherd and the sheep. The firstborn and younger brothers and sisters. The chief cornerstone and leap stones. The high priest after the order of Melchizedek and the royal priesthood. Two animals being yoked together. The new creation. The heavenly man in Christ Jesus. And the union between the father and the son. This morning, we want to attack the doctrine of union with Christ. When we say union with Christ, what do all Christians worldwide believe? And what should they believe? What should they not believe? Let me begin with the Disclaimer. When we say union with Christ, we don't mean that you become God. You become Christ. Your identity as a human being, a person, remains. And you are responsible for everything you do. Don't blame Jesus. And say, well, I'm in union with Christ. So Christ did this. No. Why? Why do we say that? Because in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul says that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, your personality never disappears. Even just as husband and wife, they are called one flesh. But it doesn't mean that the husband becomes the wife and the wife becomes the husband. Never. It's wrong doctrine. It's false doctrine to teach that we are God's. We are not Christ. We are not God. We will never be God. Even in heaven, when we are at our highest glory, we shall throw our crowns down and fall before the Lamb and worship Him. He is bigger than us. He will forever be bigger than us. Born. 
He is the head. We are the body. The supremacy of Jesus remains forever. Our union with Christ does not mean that we lose our personality. And you are no longer responsible. Yes, it's Christ who made me do it. Yes, no. That's one. The second disclaimer is that union with Christ should never be understood as our teaching that for time you become so spiritual that your mind in a mystical way begins to to unite itself with Jesus in what this yoga and transcendental meditation consciousness people call uh, uh, becoming one with the mind of the universe. No, no. Christianity does not teach what the Eastern religions teach. That, you know, you unite with Jesus in a metaphysical way and then you know, you'll be chanting, you empty your mind so that you recite some mantras, then you become one with Jesus. No, no. Christianity does not teach. Christianity does not teach union with Christ to be something so physical. That you are having sex with Christ. Do you understand? Because homosexuals have also come to take over now. And they are saying Christ is a man. I'm also a man. So if he is the bridegroom, I am the bride. Then union with Christ means I'm uniting, I'm sexing with Christ. It's blasphemy. That is not the meaning of union with Christ. And union with Christ does also not mean you do nothing and Jesus does it all. People say, let go and let God. Your human will your human mind, your human emotions are always in play and at work. Your human conscience, your human intuition center, your human spiritual fellowship center, they are all at work even though you are in union with Christ. So, when we say union with Christ, what does the Bible teach? What, what, what is the Bible bringing out? Union with Christ is a spiritual transaction that heaven brings to pass in our lives so that you are put in Christ and Christ is put in you. You are tied to Christ and joined to Him and Christ is with you and you put on Christ as a clothing so that everything Jesus does, all the benefits he has achieved, you can benefit of them. The day I became married to my wife, she dropped 
her surname and took mine. She is called Mrs. Mensah because she is married to a Mensah. And every property I have now, she owns. I go everywhere with him. She signs our joint check. She uses my name, sometimes without even telling me, to, to do things. He says, Pastor says this. Pastor Mensa, you know I'm his wife. Okay, please. Uh, he, he, and, and she gets the work done. In the same way, union with Christ gives you the right, the authority to come in the name of Jesus and tell an evil spirit, get in the name of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is your husband and you are Mrs. Jesus and therefore you can command spirits to go out in the name of Jesus. You can lay hands on the sick and sick and disease and it in Jesus' name. Every benefit that Jesus brought us from the time he came out of heaven until the time he went back and is sitting now at the right hand of God is ours by virtue of our union with Christ. People are already asking if that's the case. Why is it that we are not seeing more healings, more miracles? Why are Christians sick? And so on. Even though the answer is not so simple, the big part of the answer is that many of us are in the church, but we don't even know these things have been done for us. And some know, but they don't even believe them. And therefore you can't access them. Certainly, if I ask you tomorrow morning to come to my room and get one piece of cloth, a full piece, eight o'clock tomorrow, if you come, you get it. If you don't come, you don't have it. It's not because the promise has not been made. It's because you don't believe the promise enough to act on it. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 17 says, anyone who unites himself with Jesus becomes one spirit with Jesus. Now, look at this verse. Let's all read it together. Go. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. The Bible is teaching that if you are joined to Jesus. You become one spirit with Jesus. And this verse follows verse 16. Let's read it for effect. Verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. He is saying that if you join yourself with a prostitute, if you go and commit fornication and adultery, you become one flesh with that person. You leave Jesus and become one flesh with that person. Then, when you join yourself with Jesus, you become one spirit with Jesus. This means that it is not just an idea in the head. It's real. Just as sleeping with a prostitute makes you one flesh with the prostitute, joining yourself to Jesus makes you one spirit with Jesus. You can use his name. You can march and give orders with his authority because you represent him. You are one spirit with Jesus on this earth. It is interesting that yesterday we read the first Corinthians chapter 15. And he explains from verse 45 to 49 that the first Adam was made 
a, a, a living soul. And he was taken from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. But the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. Yes. Corinthians 15 verse 45. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. This is it. So all who are in the image of this last Adam, they are one spirit with Jesus. But that's not all. Colossians chapter 1 is a very intense chapter in the Bible. In Colossians 1, 15 and 16, he tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And every in heaven, on earth, we see things we don't see. Thrones, principalities, powers, authorities. They were created by Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things. In Him, everything holds together. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. I want you to notice three things about this passage. You will have to remember it forever. The first is when you get to heaven, every chair in heaven was created by Jesus. Every table in heaven was created by Jesus. He created everything in heaven. The second thing I want you to notice is that the Bible admits that there are visible things and invisible things. Things you don't see, but they are there. You don't see angels, but they are there. You don't see that there is a bakery in heaven. But for 40 years, heaven's bakery gave manna to the people of Israel. Three and a half, yes. You don't see it, but it's there. Look at the sword which was guarding the garden of Eden. There are spiritual swords. Look at the chariot which came to carry Elijah to heaven. There is spiritual V8. Yes. So the invisible world has things you don't see, but they exist. They are very much there. And the Bible says Jesus created the invisible things and the visible things. Things you don't see and things you see. And this is where science and evolution must bow to the Bible. Because the Bible is talking about things that science cannot see. And therefore, they don't have instruments to investigate those things. And science cannot dictate to Christianity. Because the Bible is deeper, bigger, wider than science. Till today, no scientist can give us the number of stars and planets and solar systems in the world. No scientist, NASA and all, no scientist can tell us. But the God calls the stars by name. That's it. Now, the, the last thing I want you to notice in this verse is that many people think God just used Jesus to create the things. Like the people who built this building. They built it, but they are not here again. I mean, they just built it here and that's all. But the Bible were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Wow. This means that Jesus can create 100 solar systems and Fs anytime. Because he made them out of nothing. And they are for him. 
Now, listen to verse 19. It blows the mind. Verse 19 of Colossians 1. Yes. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. It pleased the Father that the fullness of everything should dwell in Jesus. Colossians 2.9 says the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. Colossians 2.9 For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Jesus bodily. It means if you pass by Jesus, you won't see anything again. Now, this brings me to our class. Read Colossians 1.27. He has just told us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He created everything in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And that the things are created by him and for him. He has told us that it pleased God that the fullness of everything should be in him. He has told us, and he is explaining to us that the fullness, all the fullness of the God that dwells bodily in Jesus. Yes. Colossians 1.27 Please, listen carefully. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of his, the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Wow. This big Christ is in you. Let's let, let's look at this. Please. I want some. Um, okay, let's for the sake of safety, please uh, you get grab my chair there. And I want a lady's handbag. Well, small. It's okay. Thank you. Okay, you can hold it for us. For the of demonstration. Yes, this is you. You are this lady's number. Come. This is Christ. Eh? The chair. Try and get it into this bag. Put, put it in the bag. No, you just try it. Put, put it in the bag. No, try. Just try. Put it in. Okay, put the leg in. Jesus is bigger than you. But heaven has put Christ in you. The hope of glory. So, you, you move around. So, people see you. But spirits see Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 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 The truth is, many Christians go to church, they don't believe this. They fear witches more than Jesus. And therefore they choose not to obey the simple commands of Jesus because they fear the witches and evil spirits more. If you believe that all authority in heaven and on earth is Jesus, when he says something, you will say, yes, sir. You see, but it is not only Colossians 1.27 which says this. In Galatians 2.20, you know the verse, but let's read it. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Yes. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. But Christ what? Lives in me. But Christ what? Lives in me. Christ what? Lives in me. How many times have you got up in the morning and shaken yourself and said, Christ lives in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. You see, because this mindset has not entered the average Christian, you cannot do miracles. Because 
you see only yourself. If anything, you commit suicide because of depression. But God has given every Christian the greatest gift he can ever give you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, let, let's read, before you sit down, let's read some two more verses. Let's read the Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died. You died. Your life is hidden with Christ inside God. If anybody wants to touch you, the person must kill God, kill Jesus before he can touch you. Yes, he says you died. Your life is hidden with Christ. You died. And your life is hidden. With Christ inside God. Now we have spent three days talking about this union with Christ. It's not today. God put you in Christ, chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. And he brought Jesus onto this earth, Philly Philly, to die Philly Philly, and rise up Philly Philly. Therefore, when he says you are in Christ, He's not speaking in pictures. He's talking truth. Yes, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, yes. then you also will appear with him in glory. The part I want to notice is, he says, when Christ, who is what? Our life. Say it to yourself, Christ is my life. 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 Is my life. Christ is my life. Christ is in me. Christ lives in me. Christ is my life. Christ is my life. I am alive with Christ. I am alive with Christ. Many times when you want to speak in tongues and you are feeling dry, you recite these verses. You start speaking in tongues. Because yeah, the truth is that you see. The promises build faith. And faith works with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So thank you. Clap for them. You can sit for the meantime. Now, if I have convinced you about Christ in you, let me convince you about you in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a verse we all know. Yes? How does it say? 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That means, this time, it's not Christ who is in you. You are in Christ. Old things have passed away. Yes. Behold, all things have become new. Okay. Please, bring the bag again. And bring your phone. It's okay. So, this time, this is Christ. This is you. Put it in the bag. Correct. You are in Christ. You are in Christ. And the Bible says anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. What does Romans 8 1 say? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. You see, the passages about in Christ 
in the Lord, we can't exhaust them today. But you must remember that you are even going to die in the Lord. Let's read the First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Yes. Please try 16. Six. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, yes. with the voice of an archangel, yes. and with the trumpet of God. Good. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Did you hear? Dead in Christ. So you are not only living in Christ. You are, when you die, you die in Christ. Revelation chapter 14 verse 13 says that. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from this time onwards. Yes. Revelations 14, 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. In fact, when you are dying as a Christian, there's no fear. You die in the Lord. You in the Lord. You die in the Lord. You die in Christ. You die in Christ. Hallelujah. And you can understand why everything Paul says, he tries to measure how much somebody is in Christ. Romans chapter 16 verse 7, before you sit down, sir. Romans 16 verse 7. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Did you hear that? They were in Christ before me. I was in Christ before Tawam. You see, you, you are in Christ before somebody. You waste time. If as a Christian you don't grow spiritually, because you are in Christ before somebody. New people... And if you are not careful, they come and overtake you successfully. You have been in Christ 15 years, but all that time you were doing nothing. And people who came into Christ after you come and overtake you. They were in Christ before me. So it's a real thing to be in Christ. It's not a story. Some people were in Christ before me. And I'm also in Christ before some people. Please, you can sit down. Now, let's go to the third. We have seen Christ in you. We have touched in Christ. You in Christ. Now, before I run away from it, let's bring the two together. Jesus, in John fourteen twenty, says, In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, you are in me and I in you. John fourteen twenty. Yes. At that day you will know that I am in my father. Good. And you in me and I in you. Please, it's a little complex, so let's all read it together. Go. At that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Amazing. 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 It's as if this is not enough. The Bible says water baptized. You put on Christ as a let's read Galatians three twenty seven. Galatians three twenty seven. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You, do you see how we put on dress, your dress? Eh? You got up this morning and you dressed. The Bible says Jesus is, you know, kaba. Eh? Skirt and blouse. His suit, you put on. And when you are water baptized, you put on Christ. It means when you are walking, people see you. 
But the spiritual realm recognizes that you are clothed with Christ. Is there any other version amplified? For as many of us were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union and communion with Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, have put on, clothed yourselves with Christ. You have clothed yourselves with Christ. The NLT. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. Like putting, I like that. You have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. New clothes. Okay. Let's move on. The Bible goes to explain you can do things through Christ. Let's read the Philippians 4.13, first of all. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. A Christian through Christ, strengthened by Christ. Romans 8.37 Romans 8.37 No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You see, he says overwhelming victory. Because the Greek word used there is hupernikao. It means hyper, over and above conqueror. I am more than conqueror. I'm not only a conqueror. I'm not only an overcomer. I am more than that. Paul is looking for a word to express the fact that we end persecution, famine, pestilence, death, everything for Jesus because we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Can you read the talkative Bible for uh, Amplified from Romans 8.37. From the Amplified. Yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors and we gain surpassing victory through him who loved us. And a Christian who shouting, oh, for me, oh. you know, some people at place, your nickname is complainer. Because every day you come to work, something is not right. You see, it's raining too much. Oh, the sun, this day the sun is shining too much. Oh, why is it every day you are complaining? You see, because your spirit is not at rest. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. We gain surpassing victory through Christ. Death, famine, pestilence, problems. Challenges, none of these things can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. But, that's not all. In Matthew 28, 18 and 20, Jesus said, all authority in and on earth has been given to me. Then he said, go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Then he said, I am with you to the close of the age. Please, what is your name? Emmanuel. Okay. So, you walk. Just walk. I am with you. So, I am with you. So, let's walk. I am Jesus. This is you. Jesus is all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I, I am with you. You see? I, I, it is a very good demonstration. You see? In the first place, he was going ahead of me. Then now, he is behind me. That's how you behave. You see? Yeah! The person who has all authority in heaven and on earth says, I am with you. 
but you are behind him, you are in front of him every day. You get up, you don't even pray before you eat because you 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 have got food. So the average Christian lives his life not minding the fact that all authority in heaven and earth is with me it has been given to me. I am with you. But you are not, you are, it doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't. So you go ahead, you go behind, you are looking everywhere, you don't look to him, because that's how you are. Can you understand? Okay, now Tawam, come. You, you, Emmanuel, you can go now. Oh, okay, you can go. Now, Tawam is bigger. So, I am with you. Let's go. This is the difference between a young Christian and a mature Christian. Because the mature Christian has a sense that I am walking with Jesus. He is in me. I am in him. I have put him on the dress. And so when he says he is with me, I need to time him. It's a Greek word called toikeo. In the Galatians chapter 5 verse 25. He says we should walk. Yes. Galatians 5.25 If yes. we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, do you see this translation? Let us also walk in the Spirit. This is the reason you all need to study the Greek small. Please, read the Amplified Bible. Galatians 5.25 From the Amplified Bible At the CDM Major Uchi. Well, look at NLT. Let, read the NLT. NLT. Yes. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Great. He's captured it. You see, the Greek word used there is stoikeo. And it's the word used for soldiers marching in rank. So, please, this one first. Hmm? Go. You see, this is stoikeo. The Bible says we should walk in step with the Spirit in every part of our lives. Read the Amplified. Amplified. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. Walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. So, you see that when there is wedding, we train the couple that the man should not just don't do that. You see? You must move in line with your bride. So, one leg. No. Then. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, when you see soldiers marching, that's their turn. They, they walk in rank. Many of us live our lives as if Jesus is not with us. Is it clear? Is it making sense? Okay. God bless you. Now, you can see that we can spend the whole morning Working, but today I want to begin the application of our union with Christ. And I told you in the beginning that God wants to solve six main problems. Problem one is indwelling sin, problem two is character, godly character. Problem three is intimacy with God. Fellowship, friendship with God. Problem four is working for God. Then problem five is overcoming Satan. And problem six is living 
at peace and in unity with one another. These were the problems that the fall brought. Or some of the problems. So, please, let's start applying our union with Christ. I want to explain that every sin in a Christian's life can be conquered by union with Christ. And that's what we are going to do now. If we start today, we can move on tomorrow. So, please, let's look at fact that in Romans chapter 6 read from verse 1 Romans 6 from verse 1 the big question is can Christian who is in union with Christ still be living in sin because we are under grace Romans 6 1 what shall we say then? Yes. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So, because, but you didn't come to the retreat, you have missed. <laughs> they taught us that God chose us in Christ from the beginning of the world. I, as you see me now, I am in Christ. And I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ. I am under grace. Therefore, I can sin. All my sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. Certainly not. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Yes. He starts making the first point. He said, when we were crucified with Christ and we died with Christ, we died to sin. We won't take the time to read it again. But verses 3 and 4 say that. In baptism, we were crucified with Jesus. We died with Jesus. And we were buried with him in water baptism. Now, take it from verse 6. Read verse 6 and read verse 10, 11 and let's go to 14. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. Old man, the old JFK, the old Jake, the, the old David, was crucified with Jesus 2,000 years ago. So the man who lives in you and enjoys sin, was crucified. That we should no longer live in sin. Yes. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Thank you. We yes. should no longer be what? Slaves of sin. When, when you are a slave of sin, you sin even if you don't want to. Because you are a slave. You watch pornography. You don't want to. You tell lies. Because you are a slave to the sin. Yes, jump to verse 11. 10 and 11. Oh, 10 and for 11. the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. Yes. But the life that he lived, he lives to God. Yes. 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. The most important word in all Romans 6 is reckon. Reckon. Please read it from the Amplified Bible or any other version. He says, likewise you also, well, the NLT says, consider yourselves to be dead. Consider yourselves to be dead. Yes? Any other version? Quickly. 6.11 from the Amplified. Yes. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin. Consider, yes. And your relation to it broken. Yes. Alive to God. Is that all? NIV, in the same way, count yourselves dead. Count yourself. It's a Greek word, 
Count yourself dead to sin. Count yourself. This is what if you don't do, you are still the same. I normally say, first time to the you see that you walk like this. When you see a potter, you say, please, where is Aquafuhol? Because you are new to the university. You have been admitted at the university. You are a university student. But that's the first time. So because of that, you are afraid of everybody. Then, you go to the university the first year. Then second year, you come and land. You walk to, to, to. You say, Potter, please, my key. Why? You are the same person, but now the knowledge, the authority, the confidence that you are a university student has taken over. Even if a car is coming, you don't want to give way because you are a university student. We stopped the taxi and I said, let go. And my classmates said, Ligon, Ligon, Ligon. It's the same when you enter aeroplane for the first time. When they say, fasten your seatbelt, and the plane is about to take off. Then, you are like this. Then, it's on the runway. It's on the runway. To land, he said, get ready. We are touching down. Heathrow International Airport, London. Then, so fasten your seatbelt. Everybody is gathering. Hey, hey, then, then you, you, and then you hear, then, then the plane is coming down. It's coming down. It's coming down. Your stomach is turning. It's turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, go, 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 go. But somebody who has flown fifty times, when he enters the plane. He just takes newspaper and then crosses his leg and is looking at the news. He said, fasten your seatbelt and all that. And then the plane takes off. You are in the same plane. But because you are new to what it means to be in a plane, your high blood pressure, everything, your asthma, rheumatism, everything has started turning. We are all in Christ. And Christ is in us all. But if you don't learn how to count and reckon and consider yourself in Christ, you will always be a new person to Christianity. You are not used to it. Shall we be in Follow JFK Men's Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Men's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensministries.org. God bless you.